Hello. Welcome to the Conversations with Megan podcast. My name is Megan Brown. Some years ago, I suffered a medical emergency and had a near-death experience. During that near-death experience, I visited heaven. Join me in conversation with my friend John as I discuss what happened to me there. Hello, Megan. Hello, John. How are you today? Still dealing with COVID, but good. Okay. Well, you look good. So I can see you. People listening to this podcast can't, but I can see that you look spectacular for someone who's fighting COVID. (laughs) Thank you. So what would you like to talk about today? Well, love, of course. So (laughs) there is something else that I wrote years ago um, that I would like to share with you called human awakening. Okay. Okay. It is in this now our duty to implement a moment of reflection throughout time in order to continue a direction of action always toward peace. A state of equality for all of us is a birthright from the beginning of time. Humanity is impaired by the blinding inception of false power gathered by itself throughout the ages. An oversight of reality has been abandoned as being our daily quest for fulfillment to thrive as a species without interruption. An organic chain of existence within every individual body covering our globe is not only scientific proof, but a foundation of the condition of being alive given to us by our creator. A vast omission of conscience to do the right to do right for the whole of humanity has been revealed. Each of us is in a position of responsibility to create a higher ground of informed realizations toward a deliberate global convergence. An entire unification of a species is the foundation by which we were created. Previously, high standards have gradually faded into a sunset of demoralization. We should be striving for an eternal conditioning of happiness. Our spectrums of love are broad. The beginning structure of a way of being consisted only of power connected to the source distributor of all that is, the Lord. It was with great care and concern for maintaining a morally correct barometer that intricacies from a realm so complex were united with absolute precision in spades, life. His propagation of self is infinitely existing in each of us. The allocation of celestial distributions is perfected in measures impossible for the human brain to commensurate with during one's own life. With a deficiency such as this, we as a whole have continued throughout eons to submerge the grace of the universe with deplorable acts of humankind. An injustice to the journey inward is repeated by way of ignorance to love. What has crippled our world is our lack of awareness through experience consisting of data obtained by individual experiences. Let us unfold a new way of being with sensitivity to the human awakening that includes an ethereal existence for our globe. It is mandatory 
that this way of believing be taught in every school from the beginning of our education. How can something be taught at home if the one teaching the child does not know the necessity of a deliberate direction to love? May the responsibility of teaching this vital life course become intertwined with our individual desire to feel the power of peace and comfort in our everyday life. Would you care to discuss a little bit again the circumstances that led to you writing this particular piece? Sure. I was going through my divorce and I was, I'd meditate every day and heaven ordered me in meditation to write about love. Mm -hmm. So I would write about whatever came to my mind mm -hmm. and that came to my mind. Why do you think we lost the ability to, to represent the divine, represent a kind of a universal love? Why do you think that happened to mankind? I would say based on power, wanting to obtain power in humanity. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that there are people that wanted to maintain power, that human beings wanted to maintain power and somehow lost the divine gift. I do. I really do. Mm -hmm. How do we get it back? Well, a good start would be to quit looking at people as though they're different than us because they don't follow uh, what it is that we believe. Mm -hmm. Isn't that what as, religion is supposed to do? Isn't that what religions preach? Absolutely. And that's, that's great that you just said the word, but that's exactly what I mean. I think religion can be so helpful um, to an individual, as you pointed out previously in one of our, our conversations, you know, it's, it can help people in times of mourning the loss of someone. It can help people in times of fear. It can help people, but it can actually help people every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, it can, it can actually help people every day. What I'm, I'm stuck on as having been raised in the Roman Catholic church, I remember there being such, um, it was, you know, everything was about God and well, of course everything's going to be about God, but I mean, you know, fearing God and, you know, Jesus being the son of God and, okay, well, I don't have any proof of this. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any proof of that being my, my reality, so to mm -hmm. speak on this planet. It was a blind faith that had to be had in order to really stand behind that type of conviction. Mm -hmm. And you said a key word, you said fear. Should religion be based around fear? No, nothing should be based around fear, but unfortunately mm. there's a lot of fear in religion and I'm mm -hmm. not, claiming to know any other religions here okay mm -hmm. but 
there are things that have happened in the history of our life or mm -hmm. lives history okay like even before we were born that indicates religion being a part of it of why someone should fear and currently there's someone who i know who is jewish and she shared with me that it was suggested of her family friend who happened to have been in israel recently that the individual not uh make claims by wearing anything that would indicate they're Jewish. In other mm -hmm. words, the Star of David. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, wow, if that isn't frightening, mm -hmm. that people should live in that type of fear to be themselves. Now, look, I've watched so much after my near-death experience uh, regarding World War II. And it, I, I am absolutely fascinated with how, and disgusted really, I, I think is more is the better word here, as to how somebody so crazy and maniacal got to be so powerful amongst the people and created a regime that was to annihilate another person based upon their belief, based upon their religious belief, based upon their um, being handicapped, based upon how they want to love. It's, you'd think that that would have, that occurrence in World War II would have shaken our world to wake up and go, oh my gosh, wait, we can't do that. We can't be like that. Hmm. We have to remember that that destroys, that type of mindset destroys hmm. figured, figuratively and literally, it, it mm -hmm. destroyed. And, and it does still. You're talking about Hitler. I am, yes. Okay. I thought I hinted, I hinted well enough that you figured it out, John. <laughs> I thought that we should just be be clear about that. I don't ever assume that people uh, uh, can intimate what you're discussing based on what you're saying. Um, the um, is religion a good thing or a bad thing? I'm definitely going out on a limb here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Again, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody who wants to stay within a religion because it makes them feel better. Mm -hmm. But I think religion is destructive and has been very destructive. And at this current time in our life, we're looking at it being destructive again. Yeah. But it's... Um, no, I think it can, I think, it, I think it's, I think it's something that needs to be revisited. Um, mm -hmm. But with people who have no agenda one way or the other for someone being right, in other words, the Catholic church versus, you know, the synagogue or the, 
you know, where, wherever in the world, hmm. whatever they're believing. I mean, the Catholic church is different from the born again Christians as it was introduced to me when I was 21. Mm-hmm. And I was flat out told, maybe I was 22, 23. Anyway, I, I was flat out told I was going to hell because I grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. I, I remember this so clearly. And this this young lady looks at me and, you know, smile, smile, smile. And, oh, hi, you're new. And I, I had been, I was just invited to this gathering by mm-hmm. my next door neighbor at the time. And she said, oh, you know, we would catch each other, you know, doing laundry and stuff. And she says, Megan, why don't you join me? I'm going to um, meet with my group. And I said, well, who's your group? And she says, well, you know, we're Christians and we um, practice whatever, whatever. And I said, okay, great. You know, and I thought no harm. There's no harm. It's about love, right? I mean, if you're all going to believe in Jesus and you're all going to proclaim that Jesus is the way and is, you know, love, then Nothing's going to happen here. But what I was greeted with when I got in there, I'll never forget. We were in a hallway and this woman looked at me and she said, oh, you're new, you know, and then she says, well, uh, when were you saved was the question Mm -hmm. uh, to me from Mm -hmm. her. And Mm -hmm. I said, uh, like I I had no, I said it was something along the lines of I didn't I didn't know anything about being saved, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I had no idea what this individual meant. So I looked at her and she says, well, when did you realize that you had been saved? I'm like saved from what, you know, I said, look at, I grew up Roman Catholic and she immediately just stops, just interjects. Oh, well, you're going to hell. (laughs) And I started laughing. I mean, I had been raised in the Roman Catholic Church, and it was the Catholics' belief that we were the front row in heaven, okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We were the ones who were right. And Mm -hmm. so here I am seeing firsthand, here's someone telling me that I'm going to hell based upon what I was raised with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, using that as the example, it's like, okay, there's a problem just... The commonality of what I had visited that night and what I grew up with is Jesus was the son of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that Jesus was the savior. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is their mm-hmm. belief in both sides. Now, yeah, come on. And now that I've had my near death experience, I see it and feel so differently. I mean, yeah, Jesus is the highest frequency of love. And I get that. King David is another ascended master. Um, Buddha is another ascended master. You know, uh, Kali is another ascended master. Krishna. I met all of these souls in heaven. Well, I was going to get to that. I was going to say, what was the, you know, of all the people that you talked to, that you, many of whom you just named, what was their attitude toward religion? Or did you gain any new perspective about religion that you had never had before? So those are two questions. So let's tackle the first. Did did you discuss religion with anyone? Did you discuss religion with Jesus? There was a time that I sat down and discussed religion with Jesus. We actually read the Old Testament together. Do I remember it? No. And am I going to go back and read it now? No. But... Um, uh, maybe in the future I will. I can't say, but right now I have no intention to. Okay, mm-hmm. so I don't know where mm-hmm. I'll think in a year from now or five years from now. 
Mm. Anything can happen. But um, yes, we did discuss that. Um, Prophet Muhammad, he was another soul who, you know, uh, sat down with me and discussed Islam and why he created Islam. And what I remember is that it was to bring peace among the people. And um, I remember sitting down with King David. These were all private meetings with these souls that I had one-on-one -on -one with them mm -hmm. after I met them all at God's table in temple in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember sitting with King David and we discussed the Torah and how that came to be, you know? So I, I have such a respect for each of these souls from my experience there. So yes, we discussed religion, but did it mean that one of them was right? Well, technically, yes. And this is what's interesting as well is that it would be Judaism mm -hmm. because that's what I learned in heaven and that every soul is created, every soul, okay? is created mm -hmm. with the star of David. That's really? every soul. Yes. And, and why is that? Because that's what the creator wanted. Uh, and because the star of David represents, every point represents something specific. So there are six points on the star of David. The top point is love. That's the first point. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then it's earth, fire, water, air, metal, hmm. except I don't know if they use earth, but in this dialogue, it's earth because mm -hmm. I don't know what else to call it unless it's heaven, unless it means heaven. So it goes mm -hmm. from love to heaven and that is another planet. So maybe it means heaven, but it's all, all of these are um, the metal. So earth, fire, water, air, metal, are the elements by which the star of David, what the star of David represents, but without love, there's nothing. So that's why love is the number one. So when did you first see the star of David in heaven? I don't remember when I very first saw the star of David. But you did see it there. Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I sat there, I, I was greeted by, um, well, I was greeted by Jesus, who, by the way, was always Jewish. Mm -hmm. So are you saying that heaven is Jewish? I am saying heaven runs things in a way that is closely or more closely affiliated with Judaism. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, I don't remember to what degree, if it's 100% or mm -hmm. if it's 90%, because the other 10% is, is just love, you know? Um, but see, Judaism is very respected in heaven because, yeah, as I was told, everybody's Jewish. I was, I was told everybody's Jewish. <laughs> So, I, you know, I'm trying to avoid coming out and saying that, but that's what I was told. Told by whom? 
well, Archangel Michael, for one, mm -hmm. um, God, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, everybody sitting at God's table, there are messages, as I shared in a previous conversation, that um, each one of them sitting at the table, I was number 77. So there were 77 of us sitting at this table. So everybody had messages. I mean, look, I'm sitting there with Krishna, okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who obviously wasn't Jewish, but that doesn't make him wrong. Mm -hmm. That means he was a messenger of love. Mm -hmm. And so love came to him, however it came to him. And I don't mm -hmm. remember how. I, I didn't grow up as a Krishna either. Okay. Well, so, okay, we're in Jewish heaven and there's Star of Davids all over the place. Well, now and... you're exaggerating, John. Oh, well, you mean soul-wise? <laughs> yes. Okay, soul-wise. Right. Okay. Um, how did Prophet Muhammad feel about being surrounded by all these Stars of David? You know, it's interesting because, look, um, Prophet Muhammad is also the Star of David. His soul mm -hmm. is the Star of David. If the Creator created mm -hmm. the Star of David with this mission that mm -hmm. love and all of these things after love are the creation of every one of us, because without love, none of us would be here. Without the earth or the planet heaven, fire, water, air, metal, Okay, how would any of us exist? Hmm. Well, and interestingly, what you're really saying is that the Star of David is non-denominational. Truly, it you know, that's a good way of putting it. Star of yeah. David is non-denominational. Yeah, I like that, John. I never thought about it like that. Okay. Because Prophet Muhammad was sitting there at right. the table across from me, and right. it was only love. That was yeah. it. That's all everybody had for one another and absolute respect for one another. And there's God at, to my left, you know, mm -hmm. at the head of the table. Mm -hmm. And there's Prophet Muhammad across from me. Mm -hmm. Well, he was, you know, he was beautiful. Jesus was beautiful. Um, Archangel Uriel was beautiful. Sitting Bull was beautiful. There were so many beautiful souls there. Mm -hmm. There was no, there was no, well, I got this amount in my following and mm -hmm. I've got this amount in my following. So that, that ranks me higher. No, mm -hmm. it wasn't like that. It was all right. Well, you all went to earth and you, and you did the best you could to spread the words of love. And even Mahatma Gandhi was there. I mean, I, I remember seeing him and him mm -hmm. talking to me. Mm -hmm. So Everybody had a message, mm -hmm. but everybody was, everybody was under um, the creator's, um, I don't know, structure mm -hmm. is a good word. So, well, it's always very interesting to hear about you meeting these various um, characters, deities, people in history. There was something you were going to tell me uh, a couple of shows ago about Jesus. And I promised you that we would have a longer conversation about Jesus. Do you want to, do you want to give us a hint as to, uh, or start that conversation a little bit? Who is Jesus? The one that you met? What, how, in what way did he differ from the Jesus that we see on walls across America, you know, American living rooms? Um, I used to have a friend who, uh, whose grandmother had a picture of, you know, white Jesus on 
on her wall and um, she used to tease her grandmother by saying, uh, gee, grandma, I didn't know that you were a fan of Kenny Loggins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that used to really make her grandmother very angry. But um, let's let's talk about Jesus. In what way did he differ from the Jesus depicted on living room walls across our lovely country? Well, first of all, he had very dark, uh, a very dark brown skin hue. Okay, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, his eyes were not blue. Mm -hmm. um, he had wavy hair that just it came up to just above his shoulders. Mm. He was. First of all, that that <laughs> when I saw Jesus was so unlike what I saw on my grandmother's wall when I was mm -hmm. growing up, you know, because she was so Catholic. Mm -hmm. So one of them was anyway. Um, so that was that was different. What I did learn, um, this will not, you know, and I, I'm going to caution anybody who's listening that does not want to be um does not want to hear anything uh, any other way that Jesus could be while he was here on earth. Out of respect to you, I, I'm telling you, you know, maybe you should just turn off the channel or whatever. Um, because what I'm about to say goes against everything that I was raised with in mm -hmm. general, because mm -hmm. I was raised in the Catholic Church. So this mm -hmm. goes against the Catholic Church. But what I will share is this. Jesus was the sixth, six, number six, one, two, three, four, five, six, sixth child of Joseph and Mary. Mm -hmm. Joseph and Mary were not religious by any means. Mm -hmm. And they just so happened to be in Israel, which made them Jewish. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were farmers. They took care of their children. They were really sweet people. And Jesus, you know, going along as a teenager, when he was 15 years old, his eye his eyesight started to go. He started wondering, oh my gosh, you know, how am I, if I can't see, what, ah, you know, what am I going to do? And he told his mother, Mary, he said, Mom, my eyes are, my, my eyes are getting blurry. I, I'm starting to have difficulty seeing. Well, they didn't have money for a doctor. And were there any op, you know, optometrists back then? I doubt it. Um, so it was of concern. And mm -hmm. what Mary started to do was pray. Well, she prayed for, I think it was three days or three weeks. I can't remember that part, but one morning Jesus woke up and he could see perfectly. And he was so excited. And he said, mom, I can see again. And she said, oh, really? She says, I've been praying for this. I've been praying for you, for your eyesight to come back. And he said, really? And so she said, yes, I'm so glad that it's, you know, it's cured or however she said it. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Jesus was so curious. Now he believed that there was a God. Now he believed that there was a God because his mother had prayed and his eyesight had come back to him. Mm -hmm. So he went to temple and he met a rabbi there. And the rabbi could see that he was a, a young man, 
right? 15 years old. And he's, he, Jesus, I guess, asked him questions and the rabbi wound up giving him the Torah. So he said, here, here, go read this. And so Jesus was like, okay. And he went home and he read it three times. He read it, yeah, I think it was three times, two or three times. And it took him about a year and a half. And he went back to that rabbi to speak to the rabbi again and discuss what he'd read. Mm -hmm. And the rabbi was wearing gold chains around his neck. And there were people in the area around temple that had tables and they were selling things around the temple, the synagogue. Mm -hmm. So Jesus is looking at all of this and he started to say something to the rabbi and the rabbi looked at him and said, you know, ugh, no, you can't get in here. And he turned Jesus away because Jesus didn't have money to get in. Jesus was not, um, I guess, dressed appropriately according to what the rabbi thought and at that time. And so Jesus got really upset and his response to the rabbi was to go and turn over all of the tables where everybody was selling because he was saying, this is not what is being preached in mm -hmm. the Torah. This, what, when does, you know, when does Judaism converge with selling here at synagogue, a place of prayer and worship? Mm -hmm. So Jesus left and he was really upset. What he started to do on his own was, I don't remember how old he was when he started. I think he, it was around 17, mm -hmm. 18. He started to preach, but he um, was preaching privately from the Torah mm -hmm. and he would go to people's homes. Uh, there were, people who were not allowed into synagogue temple because they didn't have, they were prostitutes or they were sick. They couldn't, they couldn't move. Mm -hmm. um, they were lepers. I mean, some of these stories are true. They're just mm -hmm. out of the context of which I heard it in heaven. So in that period of time, as Jesus was uh, preaching, privately, you know, on the down low in people's homes, he, his mother, Mary, was at a, um, uh, a market, an outdoor market to get groceries, right? This is how they got their food. Mm -hmm. And she met Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene was invited by Jesus's mother to their home because Jesus hadn't moved out of the house yet. He wasn't married and he was the youngest and she invited mary over to meet jesus mm -hmm. and mary did accept the invitation did attend the dinner at their home mm -hmm. and um this is when jesus and mary met so mm -hmm. It's, I'm gonna actually, I'm actually gonna stop you right there. We've reached okay. our our half hour point, so this is a good point. We can uh, continue this saga.
when uh, you pick up again. And this was all told to you by Jesus when you were in heaven, correct? Yes, this was all told to me by Jesus. And I also had to watch a, a well, it's a form of a life review. So it's okay. a history of a sort that I had to watch. And I was privy to because I was there in heaven. Okay. Well, we'll pick this up again in our next episode, and you will continue the story of Jesus. Thank you very much, Megan. Thank you, John. Conversations with Megan is a production by and sole property of Project Hereafter in conjunction with Secret Media Empire and is copyright 2023. No portion of this podcast can be reproduced or broadcast without permission. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information and entertainment purposes only. Any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is the sole responsibility of the listener.